Are you thinking about implementing your own smart home? Not sure of what you want to control or how to start? Do you want your smart home to respond to your voice like it does in the movies or television? Well, you found the right podcast, Tech Bytes with Ron Netter. As a best-selling author, speaker, and YouTuber, he will help you explore the different options available. And now, here's your host, Ron. Would you like a little privacy when using a search engine? Would you like to be able to check more than one search engine at a time? Stay tuned, and I'm going to show you how to set up a local secure search engine. Welcome to another edition of Tech Bytes with Ron Nutter, your home for all things related to smart home technology. In this episode, we're going to talk about why you should have your own local search engine. Hi, I'm Ron Nutter, and we're going to be working on this together. This content is also available as an Amazon flash briefing or podcast. Please go to techbyteswithronnutter.com for more information. For any items mentioned in this episode, there are affiliate links in the description. If you click on these links, I will get a small commission, but that won't affect the price you pay for the item. If you want to get notified when new content is uploaded, please click on subscribe and enable notifications. Here's what we're going to be talking about in this video, and that's why you should have your own local search engine. First, we're going to go over how it works. Then we'll go about setting up secure DNS, which is something that if you've seen other videos on this, You've probably not seen this incorporated into it. This then pretty much makes it a whole wrapper. And then we'll go about setting up CRNG. Well, they say pictures worth a thousand words. I'm going to give you a few thousand words here because we're going to give you several pictures. Now, this is a very basic layout of what we're going to be doing. So this can be a Mac, PC, Linux, doesn't matter. There's two players to this process, and that's going to be PFSense, where we'll set up secure DNS, and then CRXNG, which will actually be your own local search engine. And think of it as a search engine of search engines, because before you start panicking, well, I'm not buy terabytes or petabytes of storage. No, this is simply going to go out. You'll hear the term meta search engine, and the easier way to describe it is it's going to go out and consult a bunch of search engines. Theoretically, what should be happening is it's going to talk to up to 62 different search engines. It's only going to display results from what it sees coming back. You can configure more. Theoretically, if you don't want to use a search engine, particular search engine, then you can pair it back. That's your call. So basically, the process will start is the request will, you'll point your browser on the PC over to CRX. You'll fill in the inquiry and then two things will happen. CRX will first go out with a DNS request and I'm sorry I can't draw straight lines, to PFSense. PFSense will take that DNS request, and if it doesn't already know the information, then it will go out from PFSense using secure DNS, which means it goes right past your ISP. Google's going to maybe see something that's there. Your ISP will see you're doing something over SSL, but only if they are taking to the extent of getting the root certificates and seeing what's going on, will they be able to see what you're looking up. Now, once it comes back with the information for those different search engines, then it will go out and query the different search engines. At this point, it'll go right through PFSense, not needing to do anything there. And as the results come back, they'll turn around and go to CRXNG, construct a web page, which is then available to whatever computer you're using. So it's a little bit of song and dance, but what happens is anything going outside your network is going to be, for the DNS lookup, is going to be SSL, depending on what flavor of secure DNS you've set up. And then as you click on the different links, unless there's something about that specific search engine, anything you fill in on that form or clicking the link to a specific website's rendering or information that they've gotten on your search inquiry will also be SSL. So there's going to be a bunch of SSL traffic out here, which is not necessarily a bad thing because just as because it's on the internet doesn't mean 
everybody's got to see it. So you've got a basic idea of what's going on. I've gotten one of the Hewlett Packard Micro Mini PCs. That's why I'm going to set it up on, because normally I would do this or think about doing it on a Raspberry Pi. The problem being with the current supply chain situations here in 2022, I can get an HP Mini Micro for less than what I can get a Raspberry Pi. So it's just to get started and there's, I'm gonna be using Raspberry Pi OS so that that way, if you do do it with a Raspberry Pi or you wanna to go to a regular or conventional computer, you can use the Raspberry Pi OS on that. It's just a matter of you have to download a different version. But anyway, this will get things started. So let's go ahead and get, uh, get the installation process beginning. Well, now we're gonna get the process started. So we're gonna get our little HP tiny micro up and running so we'll go down here to boot menu and we will select the usb drive that we've got the ubuntu desktop on and if earlier in the video you heard me say the raspberry pi desktop i just some things that i didn't like the way they were responding so i decided to go over to ubuntu so it's going to be a little bit different from what we're used to but the same process is already there that you need to download the latest ubuntu desktop and then expand it or burn it, put a term you want to use out onto a USB drive. So we will hit enter on verbatim and we will say try or install. And the text is going to go small here in just a bit. So it's unfortunately that just because it's seeing the monitor, something you probably will want to look at is since this has only DisplayPort or VGA, I've found a DisplayPort dummy plug, or you can get a DisplayPort to HDMI adapter and then should be able to use an HDMI dummy plug because you don't necessarily want to have to have a monitor attached to this all the time. And just since there is no option in the firmware setup to not have it checked for that, you're probably going to have to look for it. You can try booting without it, but FYI, that's probably what I'm going to be doing as a matter of process. Okay, so we will go to install Ubuntu. English, English, fine, we're good there. And we wanna go minimal installation because we really don't need a whole lot to deal with. Uh, we'll go ahead and let it download updates while it's installing Ubuntu. We're still gonna to have to do some other updates. So it's gonna run here for just a little bit. We are going to tell it erase. I already had a previous installation on here. Actually, we're going to erase disk because I want to make sure everything is flush. So we'll go install now. Normally you should have an installation option, but since I was already working with this one and this uh, HP Tiny Mini Micro is a generation one device, reasonably priced off Amazon, had eight gigs of memory. And so this should be more than doable for this. And we'll click on continue. We'll say administrator and then computer's name is going to be search Cirex. NG. We'll enter a password. It's complaining about, let's see if it's going to let me go ahead and do it. Uh, require my password at login. Continue. Okay. Sometimes operating system now are, or they're wanting like a 12 digit password, which I, okay. I understand the need for security, but in a home lab or non-business situation, is it really that big of a deal? Because this is a, a reinstallation, part of the process of partitioning the drive is not going to show up. When you do try this on a new system, just tell it to erase the disk. You want to completely remove all the partitions and that's going to do the best job for you at getting you a clean slate to start with. I would be happier if I could do this install via command line because I kind of like to see what's going on where you know things are going on here, but you're not seeing it. But that's, that's just one of my pet peeves. So we should be going to the next step here. 
Now, you do see this is coming up in GUI. So once the installation is complete, we'll open up a terminal window and walk through the process of shifting it away from GUI to command line because there is not really a system that I found where I can go in and uncheck an option. So this is just the easiest way I had of finding it. So it's going to be running here for just a bit, but we'll, uh, we'll come back when it's through. Well, now that the installation is completed, we'll just click restart and it should complain here shortly about removing the installation media and it did. Okay. That's good. Sometimes I'm not really sure when to delete or not delete. So we hit enter to tell it that we've actually done it. We should start seeing some activity on the screen here in just a bit. Okay. It had to reboot so that it didn't have it in the drive table anymore, which is fine. And we'll hit enter. And then here comes all the good stuff. Most of which probably won't tell you that much until you've got a lot of experience with Linux or you really want to get under the hood and, and understand what's going on, which there's nothing wrong. Okay. Enter our password. We should come up to a full GUI here and we don't want our online accounts and I don't want to send any system info. Sorry, Ubuntu, but for the purposes of this discussion, this thing's going to be totally uh, not offline, but as private as it can be. Okay, done. Okay, we're, we're through with this, and I'm going to have to reach over here, and we're going to get terminal up and running. Now, I'm going to actually glance off screen just slightly because I've got some commands I'm going to look at. So we're going to first take Ubuntu out of GUI, so we'll do sudo cp-n forward slash etc forward slash default forward slash grub space forward slash etc forward slash default slash grub backup it's always a good idea anytime you're changing a system file in linux or any application for that matter to always make a backup because it's far easier to get back from that than it is having to reinstall okay so we've done that so we'll do not right now. We don't want to do any updates while we're making changes. So sudo gedit etc default forward slash grub. All right. Now what we're going to do. Okay, good. It brought me into the GUI or brought me into the editor. So what we'll do is we'll go down here and the line where it says quiet splash, we'll put a pound sign in the front. And if you not had any programming background, that's basically commenting it out to where it's never going to, uh, be executed or, or looked at. And where it says command line Linux between the two double quotes, we'll enter text. Now we got to look for another line that says console. All right. And move the, remove the pound sign from the grub terminal equals console. And that will take us from coming up into the GUI to being in text, which is going to save some overhead. Okay. So we've got, we've, we've saved the file. Let's click save again, just to be on the safe side. Okay. That's good. And we'll close that window and then we will do a pseudo update grub. And what that's supposed to do is apply the changes and that's good. It's done that. So then the last thing we have to do is pseudo system control set default multi user target. Okay. And we've done that. So all we should have to do now is do a reboot and shut down dash R now. That's one of the few commands I've known for several years because it's with Linux, you don't just shut it, shut it down by the power button because you can possibly have files that will get damaged. So the shutdown now would have just powered it completely down or by doing the dash R we can say, okay, shut down, but go ahead and do a reboot. And what we should see coming up here is it will come up 
and then quickly shut down again and then come back up and it will be in command line at the point. So it's doing a little bit of housekeeping at this point, which shouldn't take too much longer to get finished. Of course, this in this day of instant gratification, we all want things now. We don't want to wait, do we, folks? Okay, let's done that a little bit. So we'll hit enter here just to kind of move things along and what I would expect to see at this point based on the previous installs I did. It's going to come up and then go through a little bit of shutdown and it may not have this time. Okay, so this is good. So we'll log in. Okay, well, it didn't have to reboot. So now what we're going to do is get SSH installed. So we'll do sudo apt update. And it's going to ask for the administrator password. And it's going to update the files that it goes and looks at to see what we've got to get installed. And for serving this one, one takes a little while to get done. Okay, so it says, it sees that the it, there's 178 packages. Well, that's fine. At this point, we're going to get the SSH installed. So sudo apt install open SSH server. Yes, and if I'd have done a dash Y at the end, that would have totally uh, precluded that conversation from having been up. So now it's got, okay, it's still working on processing triggers. So it may take, okay, no, it's come back now. So now what we'll do is we'll have to get SSH to start automatically. So sudo system control status SSH. And that's happy. And it looks like we're all set to go from the output of the SSH command. All right, we th I don't think we're running a firewall, but we'll go ahead and follow the commands that I've got here. All right, then what we're going to do is we're going to check ifconfig. Okay, so ifconfig is not installed by default, but that's fine. It tells you right on the screen what to do. So sudo apt install net tools. Should be through here in just a second. All right, ifconfig. So we're using 10.0.1.196. So I'm going to switch over here. So we'll click open. Okay. And that's a good sign. The fact we got the fingerprint message or what I call the fingerprint message. Administrator and then, okay, that says we're good. It was important to get to this point now because I'll probably moving forward, go from here, mainly because I can resize the font that it's using. So we'll go down here to change settings. If I can get the mouse to play nice with me. And if I do... Window appearance. Okay, it's on 10 point. Yeah, we're going to make it about a 16. And that should, yeah, make it easier for everybody to read. So now that we've got that, we get to start the installation process for CRXNG. So we'll do sudo apt update dash Y, not H, Y. And the first time you go to do a sudo, it will prompt you for the password. But at that point, it should be cached and we'll be fine. So now is when we start the real fun. So sudo apt upgrade dash Y. And again, it keeps you from going through a whole list of things and then saying, well, do you really want to do this? Well, we know we want to do it. So that's why we do the dash Y just to go ahead and answer it up front. So this is going to take a little while to run. I'll get it sped up so you're not waiting the whole amount of time that I am while this is actually running. Okay, now that it's got all the updates applied, now I thought it had more than that to do, but that's fine. So we'll do sudo apt install docker.io y. And this will get the Docker foundation loaded. And there's one more piece that we have to install after this. 
But as they say, you have to crawl before you walk. Okay, now that we've got the Docker main piece loaded, we now have to install something called Docker Compose. And this is kind of a, I don't want it, to call it a batch file language is, is not correct, but it's for those of you who have not worked with Docker before or Linux much, that's a, that's a close equivalent. So we'll do sudo apt install docker compose dash y and this one stalls a lot faster than docker or putting in some of the updates have done okay so we've got that now we've got to install something called git because that's going to be how we're going to get some of this working in this case git's already installed so uh, that's fine it never hurts to check so what we'll want to do now is we'll change to forward slash usr local and then we will do a git clone which basically it's like a copy command uh, https github.com forward slash serxng serxng dash docker dot get okay all right i didn't do something right here uh, this is where my notes weren't right uh, you have to do a suit on front of that because right now it's it's a it's a security situation so now bingo works like a champ so we'll do change over to serex ng docker okay now we're in that directory so we'll do an ls okay do an ll okay now what we want to look at and this is important because it, it may give you a false sense of hope or that you've got a different problem we have to give we have to modify the env file and we'll get to it here let's see we'll do sudo nano.env to leave it this way uh, crxng is not going to come up so we've got to do one of two things we've either got to give it the ip address or an fqdn fully qualified host name i'm going to bring it up in just ip address mode only and i'll show you how we can change it over to an fqdn without having to have a publicly registered name because i'm doing this all as a privately hosted situation so 10.0.1.196 we'll do a control x nope we'll do escape control yes env okay and then we can do to make sure it actually changed it we'll do a cat space dot env okay it did do that and now We'll do an ifconfig just to make sure I did get the right IP address in there. Okay, I did. All of this is something you've got to check. So what we'll do is do a, and we'll go back here. Okay, there's this Docker Compose file. All right, that's what we we're needing to see. So we'll do sudo docker compose up, and then the dash D will make it a daemon where it will be running in the background. Oh, if I'd spell compose right, that would help. And it's going to download what it needs. And then it's going to download a few more things. But this is what I like about the command line. It gets pretty good at giving you a pretty verbose indication of where you stand and what's going on and this is one of the reasons where i was going to do with this with the raspberry pi os ran into some errors that i wasn't able to get resolved switched to ubuntu and then that or ubuntu however you want to pronounce it and then that's when it seemed to uh, address the situation okay 
Now, at that point, it thinks it's done. So if we do a Docker PS. Okay, should have done sudo Docker PS. This is going to show us that it thinks everything's up because it's got three separate containers. So we're we're good to go. Well, I had to stop the video for a bit because I've installed this several times and I knew I'd missed something simple. I had, I wasn't reading my own notes. You'll see here on the screen, this is a command you'll need to enter because it regenerates the key that's used for doing SSL, even though it's a self-signed certificate. So if you do this, then you'll need to bounce CRXNG or take it down and back up. And then what you should see happen, and let's go right over here, go into Chrome. And if, I always use, have multiple browsers on one machine because I've had cases in the past to where one browser didn't want to work and the other one did. So all you have to do is just type the IP address and that should come up right away. Now, if you go down here to engine stats, it's not going to show anything right away. It takes a while because it's got to figure out what's going on. This is, is minimal up and running. Now, you want to take it to the next step. Let's show you how easy that's going to be to do. So we will go into my PFSense firewall. And if we go here to services, DNS resolver, go down here to the bottom and you will add a host override entry and other firewalls have something similar or should if not there's always the old host file on your computer which is in last time i had to deal with it was in etc hosts that's another way to do it but that that's the line of absolute resort if your firewall doesn't have this kind of functionality well i'm happy with pfsense what you'll do is you'll add a host override with search home and then the ip address and this is where this is just a dhcp address right now i will be giving it a DHCP reservation. I'll do it from PFSense because I'm certain things I'd rather leave alone in Linux. And this way, if I move it to another system, it comes up on a new address. So if we do search.home, see it, it's not wanting to play nice because, let me get back here. I didn't, I'm used to the keyboard having a, see it's not responding back. It doesn't know what to do. So what we'll do is go down here. All right, I was trying to cheat and do something simple. So we do LL, that's the EV. So sudo uh, nano.env, yes. All right, so what we'll do is where we've got the host name, we will change it to search.home. And we'll save the file, yes. And then Docker, no sudo docker compose down now advantage supposedly of this and this is the first time i've ever treated something with like this with docker is each time you start it up with docker compose it should go out and check for any updates and we'll make sure we bring it up with the daemon okay we're happy here and then we should just be able to type search.home Okay, I'm obviously not doing something right here. Okay, I had, to, I had to give it a front end of HTTPS. In another computer, I don't have to do that one. So we'll click on Advanced and Proceed. And there you've got it from both an IP address as well as fully qualified domain name. Now, 
Let me show you a few tricks here because by default, this thing is doing quite a bit on its own. And I'm big on doing it through the GUI unless you want to do it in the command line. And there, there's pros and cons there. So we will go to preferences, privacy. If you get an error message when you go through doing a search about resubmitting what you have just uploaded, I forget what the term is. Okay, yeah, changing it to get is what you want to do. And that way it will... It just, it just repulls the page back down. You don't have to go through resubmitting and everything else. Now, here's the real secret that the other videos I've seen on Cirex NG weren't telling you. Go to Engines. Now, by default, it's set up to talk to like about 62 different search engines. But here's, as, they, as Paul Harvey would say, and for you younger folks, don't worry about that one. Uh, here's the rest of the story. You don't have to go touch anything in the configuration files. What you can do is just simply, if you wanted to also look at Bing, just click on the little X there and it becomes a check mark. And then we can do start page. And this is just the general engines. You can, if you're looking for images, you can tell it what specific engines to go. So this is really has got a lot of possibilities. Now this is being stored in cookie. So if you do this on another computer, it's not going to transfer your settings, but from a privacy standpoint, I get that. I, I really like that. Autocomplete is something you may or may not want to have. If you're going to Google natively, it's going to do it by default. Well, Cirex NG is protecting you. So it, it won't. So, but you can select under autocomplete which system you want the auto to to come from, whether it's Wikipedia, DuckDuckGo, Google. So this is very handy. So we'll go over here. We go to, oh, we'll just call it secure DNS on PFSense. I know this is going to take a little bit. Now, here's what you see from a search result. And all these systems here are the ones that got a response back from. If you want to go to cached, because say for some reason, and I'm not saying the folks at NetGate would have this problem, but if, if the website you're going to is down, you can go to cached and get the information you need. So here's how to set up IP filtering. There, there, there's all sorts of things set up, uh, secure DNS over quad nine. There's not a, a one way to do this. Every session that Cirex NG has done has had an individual profile for each search engine. And if we go back to that search engine again, it rebuilds a new profile. So they're the tracking, the search engine you're trying to do, you're protected from that. Since you're doing DNS over SSH, whether or uh, SSH, if you're doing DNS, over SSL, TLS, pick your poison there. That's protected. So you're, you're getting a lot of privacy from this. The only thing that you'll need to remember is at this point with the directions that I've been able to pull together, when you reboot your Cirex appliance or post or whatever you want to call it, Cirex won't automatically restart. So what you will need to do is change to the 
and by by the way, if you're not familiar with PWD, it's print working directory. So it tells you the directory, and if you can't tell from the path on the screen. So if you change to user local CRXNG dash Docker, then you do uh, sudo docker compose up dash D, and docker compose is going to pick this YAML file right here. So it's going to restart that, and then make sure you do the dash D so it's daemon. There has got to be a way to get this up and running. I've this is the first time I've dealt with this kind of implementation, but there's got to be a way when you automatically start that it can run two, it can run what I would call like a Windows batch file. And that's something I'm going to work on. And when I find the right way to do it, I'll, I'll either repost this video or I'll put something down in the notes. But either way, you're probably not going to be restarting this that much. And even if you are, here is the advantage of having to restart it. It gets you familiar with the Linux command line and with more and more commercial systems being some version of Linux based, that's going to get you more and more comfortable. So you're going to have just that, you'll have just that native feel for it. And you also might want to make a backup of the .env file, not thinking you're going to have to have it, but this is a very functional system. And I have been impressed with it because once you get past some of its quirks, yeah, you know, it's, it's a nice little system. And if we go down here to the bottom, because we've been up and running for several minutes, and if we go to engine stats, okay, see, now you're starting to see where this has been going, the response time. You really can get a lot of nice information out of this. Sorry this one ran so long. This is something I think you're going to be very interested in dealing with. I know this is going to be a permanent place in my smart home because I was already using secure DNS, and with CRXNG, this is going to allow me to take things to the next level. So get one set up today and enjoy. If you're watching this on YouTube, you will see videos on the screen that are similar to the one you've just watched or other content that YouTube thinks you might be interested in. If this video helps you or provides value, please click on that like button, thumbs up. If you haven't already subscribed to the channel, please click on subscribe now and enable notifications. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the Tech Bites with Ron Nutter podcast. If you know someone who's interested in creating their own smart home, please share this show with them. Please subscribe on iTunes or Google Podcasts and leave us a review. Have questions? Contact Ron at questions at techbiteswithronnutter.com. He looks forward to sharing more incredible insights on the next episode.